Welcome into the Reviewing the Brew podcast. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matthew Dwoskin. And Hello. Matthew, it's been an incredible journey. Um, we're now in our sixth episode of this podcast, and we have our contributor, Keaton Anderson, joining us also on the podcast this week. Keaton, how's it going? It's going good, guys. Feeling a feeling is still a little down, but you know, there's there's always a bright side to a dark side so and keaton with, with that in mind oh <laughs> matthew there it is <laughs> that that's how matthew just copes with everything you know just just open up <laughs> opening up a beer <laughs> i feel like it helps, it you'll, helps. You, you'll, you'll you'll be proud it's miller it's miller light tonight oh, there you go, there go. Th- that's the only way to go <laughs> and there are other reasons, obviously, to be drinking because the Milwaukee Brewers season came to an end last weekend in Game 7 at Miller Park as they fell 5-1 to one to the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing an end to what has been a truly a truly remarkable, remarkable journey. Oh, yeah, remarkable season. Yeah, remarkable team. Um, Ke- Keaton? Just out of curiosity, what, what's your favorite memory from the 2018 season? Let's start with something positive. Favorite memories? Favorite memories, I would think that uh, my favorite one, you guys can see where this is going, when you Google who owns the Cincinnati Reds, it comes up Christian Yelich. Um, <laughs> I think the two cycles is one of those. I think celebrating in St. Louis and Wrigley are one of the favorite memories as well of this year. Those are quality, yeah. Yeah. And... I just think this team just provided so many memories. It's hard to pick one, but to still very, it's, it's, I live in Indiana, so I'm in Cubs country, but I'm the only one that's kind of sad at this point Mm. right now, but I'm getting over it pretty well. I might take Matthew's side of things and crack open a beer or two. (laughs) Right on. Yeah. David, David, same question. What's, What's your favorite moment from this season? My favorite moment, man, I got, I got so many I want to go through and it just, Sometimes it just might pain me a little bit as I go through them. There we go. So the Milwaukee Brewers season came to an end. And you just start off the season, you got G-Man Choi having a double to help win the first game on opening day in San Diego. Then then back at home, back-to-back home runs to win, to, to walk it off with Christian Yelich and Ryan Braun. And, I mean, then you go a little later in the month, Jesus Aguilar, 13-pitch walk-off. I mean, that home run was, was magical. I mean, the, even, even the emergence of Jesus Aguilar, it was just, it was, it was really incredible to watch, and, and Aguilar winning the final vote, we believe in Jesus that whole campaign, get getting in on, and we lost some prospects along the way. Brett Phillips, was sad to see go. Cody Medeiros, Jorge Lopez, Luis Ortiz, Jonathan VR. I wasn't really sad to see go, but we lost him anyways. It was more sad to see Jonathan Scope. Yeah, we picked up some new friends along the way. Mike Mustakis. Curtis Granderson, Joaquin Soria, Gio Gonzalez, not you, Jonathan Scope. You're not a friend. We witnessed an MVP carry the team in September. Christian Yelich hit for not one, but two cycles. He came out with his Let's Go article that really got the fan base riled up. The run that this team went on in September to win the division title, to advance to the NLCS, to Jesus Aguilar getting kicked in the ankle by Manny Machado, that just brought the team even closer together. I was at game six and seven of the NLCS. Game six was fantastic. The booing of Machado, the runs scored in the first inning, the energy of that crowd, I was there for game seven though. That wasn't as fun. It was really just so much heartbreak watching the team go through such a loss. 
Yulis Chassin only going two innings. It was a really rough time as my heart was broken in two right there at Miller Park in section 214. But we will rise again next year. And this team will get better. And that is my ode to the Milwaukee Brewers 2018 wow. season. That was, that was an ode. Wow. I, I, Thank you. Over here. Thank you. As soon as, as soon as I got the technology figured out, it went great. <laughs> it did. Yeah, you were really, really rolling there, man. I was. Yeah. Could, wow. Yeah. I don't know if you guys could have could could hear the music over there. No, we couldn't. But we. Felt oh. It. Oh. Okay. I felt it through your words. I felt. It through words. <laughs> yeah, I tried to get it over over here on this other computer, but for some reason it just wasn't going through. But maybe I'm just not that good with technology. But here we are. So the season has come to an end, and we're obviously all sad. And I really don't even feel like watching the World Series at at this point. And it it just have you guys watched any of the World Series at all? I think I've seen about two innings total of the first two games. Uh, I didn't watch any of Game One. I watched <clears throat> first three innings of Game Two last night, and then I had to turn it off. Hmm. Yeah, I really have. have kind of avoided it i really i didn't watch much at all of game two um game one i really had nothing better to do so i just kind of watched like half of it uh but yeah it really hasn't been you know a thing for me and it's like a couple of days ago this is like oh my god I'm, I'm gonna gonna be spending my entire time watching this world series not doing any other thing productive that i actually should be doing which i really should be doing but here we are, me not being productive, same as always. But yeah, it was it was really an incredible season uh, for this team. And even though it, it ended in disappointment, uh, Keaton, it really was, I, I think, a successful season no matter what, even though it, it ended in a loss in Game 7. I think it really was, too. I mean, there were some... Uh, down balls this season, like losing five straight to the Pirates. That's something, you know, we don't... That was, really do. that was misery. That, that was misery. But I think we came out the second half, we really collect, connected as a team, or as some of the players would say a family. And just, I think, some of the players you could tell, like maybe Jeffress and Yelich towards the end, they were kind of like gave, gave it their all and they're just out of gas. But uh, I think it was a great year. Christian Yelich, obviously... I've told people if he doesn't win MVP, we might riot. Um, but I just think it was a great year, great group of guys. Keaton, it's, it's, it's going to be a unique riot in the middle of Indiana. It's going to be a <laughs> one-man riot. That is for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, actually, I've actually got a couple of Cub fans to agree with me, so they might join in or maybe not. But um, Maybe not, no. Maybe not. Um, it like to what david said just to see another team celebrate at miller park and we thought you know this was the year like after game six i was like driving to my car to go to a uh a bar in warsaw a town here in indiana and i was screaming to myself they can actually do this and then just one thing led to another in game seven and we just look it just looks like we were out of gas at the wrong time mm. yeah i mean especially when christian yelich had that first stunning home run it's like oh man we've taken momentum We've gotten into Bueller, yeah. and like this is great. And then Ulysses Chassin yeah. just just leaves the fastball just right down the pipe, and and Bellinger just oh, oh. yeah, that was gone. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean the real game changer was Chris Taylor's uh, diving catch or sliding yeah. catch in, oh, yeah. in left center that uh. took the wind right out of the crowd sails. Like I was there, and it was just oh, I mean it was just dead after that. And then obviously the Puig homer was the final nail in the coffin for the crowd because that was the next half inning. And then after that, like, the, like we tried to get back into it, but the offense really wasn't doing anything, so there was nothing really to kind of build off of to get into it. And from there, it just, it just was all downhill. Yeah. <laughs> you really summed it up really well there, David. Yeah. And, I mean, well, we could go back and second-guess the whole, should Josh Hader have come in in the third inning? Should he have let him go another inning? We could second-guess him all he want, but that's not going to change anything, and it doesn't really, you know, it's it's not going to matter. It's not going to make a difference. So No, I, and honestly, I don't, I don't think Josh Hader staying in 
you know, staying in for another inning really would have helped much. No. Um, I mean, he was, you know, by the time he left the game, he was throwing like 93, 94, which really isn't where he needs to be to be successful. So I, I was kind of concerned to see him come out for another inning if he did. So I, I personally thought it was the right time to pull him. Um, you know, it, it, at this point, it is what it is. You know, the Brewers, you know, I'm sorry, the, you know, you know, you just got to tip your cap to the Dodgers. They were, you know, they were better in game seven and they took the series, you know, and there's no shame in that. You know, the, the Brewers played a great series. They actually outscored the Dodgers 24-23 if you look at the you know, total run scored in the series. Um, for as, as bad as the Brewers' offense was, the Dodgers' offense was actually less productive. Um, and But what's even stranger is that for as good as the Brewers' bullpen was, the Dodgers' bullpen was even better. Yeah. So just, odd series all around. You know, I, I guess, you know, whenever, whenever you go seven games in, you know, in, in a series like that, it, it pretty much means the two teams are spread equal. So, yeah. Um, and honestly, I, I, I think, you know, the, the, the Dodgers and the, and the Brewers probably are, are both going to get slaughtered, would have both been slaughtered by the Red Sox, which is kind of what's playing out. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what would so, you guys, yeah. what, what would you guys have preferred? Just losing in, in game seven? Of the NLCS no. to the Dodgers, or getting completely embarrassed by the Red Sox in the World Series? No, 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 no. You you don't want to lose a Game Seven. You want to you'd rather get completely embarrassed in the World Series, but at least then you had a chance to play in a World Series. Keaton, what about you? I think I think uh, I'll go with what Matthew said. You want to make it to the World Series, especially with all the stuff going on with Mister Dirty Dodger himself. You want to win that series Ooh. against the Dodgers. Oh yeah, especially just. Because I mean, the best revenge against Machado was just beating him and beating his team and, and moving yeah. on. That would have been so fantastic to to watch play out. And instead, Machado gets to celebrate at Miller Park, which is why I am rooting for the Red Sox in this World Series, even though I'm not going to watch as much of it. But I normally I'd, I'd like to root for the NL team, anyways. But yeah, no, I'd definitely rather have the Red Sox win. Over the Dodgers, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Chris Sale. I'd like to see him get a ring. So, oh Same yeah, here. you and you and your White Sox territory, there, guy. Yep. <laughs> what about you, Keaton? Who are you rooting for? Uh, well, here's a funny story because my grandfather grew up a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, so this time he was a Dodgers fan. Well, he passed away a couple years ago. Oh, and uh, it, it's all right. And uh. it's weird that his favorite team goes to the World Series too years in a row and it just happened that this year it's against my favorite team and normally on this but you know with Machado and his antics it's just very hard to root for the Dodgers so I'm going to say I'm going to go out and limb here for my hot take and say uh, Red Sox in five. Oh, I don't know if that's that hot of a take but sure <laughs> that'll be my hot take a lukewarm take okay lukewarm I'll, 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 I think we're, we're looking at Red Sox sweep is what I think we're looking at yeah that too, that too. <laughs> yeah We'll we'll get to the hot take corner uh, later in the show, but yeah. So there was some other news that that came out uh, today. Oh, yeah, dun, yeah. Dun, dun. The first news that that came out today was that there were four Milwaukee Brewers that were nominated for Gold Glove awards. Congratulations to them. Congrats, congrats. Yeah, yeah. let up some hardware. <laughs> so we got Manny Pena, a finalist. Oh. Okay, I'm going to turn you down there. Uh, so we got four four finalists for Gold Glove Awards in Milwaukee. Manny Pena at catcher, and then Travis Shaw at third base, Christian Yelich in left field, and Lorenzo Cain in center field. And those are going to be the four Brewers finalists for the Gold Glove. And I think the Brewers stand a chance to get at least one, which I think should be Cain, but maybe possibly two with Manny Pena, who do you guys see as uh, of the four having the best chances to to win a Gold Glove? Honestly, I, I I think they do have a good chance of winning two. I don't think catcher is a possibility because I think everybody just kind of votes for Yadi at this point. Um, so I'm I'm thinking you know Kane, you know he absolutely deserves it in center field. He's he's you know, one of the best defenders in the National League, if not the best defensive outfielder in the league. And I think Christian Yelich is is another. Solid bet to get to, to get votes for, for the uh, for, for the uh, Gold Glove Award. Well, I mean, they Game all got votes because they're all the finalists. You know, they're like they already had the voting done, and these these were the top three uh, okay. at each well, position. The point is, I think they're likely to win. Was what I was trying to get. Okay. I, I apologize for. Me. 
Um, I'm going to go with, obviously, the obvious answer we both all agree is Lorenzo Cain should get it. Um, At third base, I think edging out Nolan Arenado being Travis Shaw is going to be very hard to do. No dice, yeah, no way. Uh, Yadier Molina at catcher, so I'm going to have to go with Christian Yelich in the outfield picking up the other one as well. Okay, let me let me just kind of bring something in here for you guys saying that it's going to be Molina. And I know it's basically Molina's award to lose yes. um, yep. because of just kind of the pedigree that he has. But Manny Pena was a whole lot better this year. You look at caught stealing rate. Manny Pena caught 41% of attempted base stealers. Yadier Molina only caught 31%. Manny Pena had plus six defensive runs saved. Molina was worth okay. negative one defensive run saved. <laughs> so if you look at the stats like that, Manny Pena, he's got, he's got the best stats. He caught the most base runners. He had most defensive runs saved of the three finalists. So that's where I think Pena actually stands a pretty decent oh. shot of winning the award. But, but David, there's, there's, only one ma- there's only one number that matters. What? TWTW. Which means? The will to win. <laughs> That's true. And Yachty has more, more of that in his left pinky than anybody else has in the entire league. And at least that's what Cardinals fans have been telling me for decades. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am so confused right now by what, by what in the world you're talking about. Dude, perfect sense. Yeah, except for the fact that Yadier Molina didn't even make the playoffs this year. But Manny but he Pena has the did. Will to win. He, oh, he has yeah. the will to win. I think Trevor Bauer did something like this on Twitter the other day. Like some <laughs> some reporter said something about, you know, no one works harder than Clayton Kershaw. And Trevor Bauer responds like, oh, really? Do, like, do you have anything to prove these claims? <laughs> and the reporter's like, well, I know he's not playing with his drone today. So everyone's like, oh. Yeah. That's fired. Bang bang. Yeah. That's that's bad. But Trevor Bauer, he's he's a character on Twitter there, but he's got a great Twitter handle too. He does. He does. I'm jealous. For those listening at home, it's Bauer Outage, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great nickname for sure. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that was his Twitter handle. That's just perfect. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It certainly works well for him, but yeah, I, I think I think Kane definitely should be the Gold Glove winner in center field. He's going to face off against Ender and Ciarte and Billy Hamilton. Um, it's a tough group, but I think I think Kane can get it done. Uh, Pena, I think, obviously can. Travis Shaw is not going to win it because, first of all, he didn't even play at third base for the final two months, basically. Second of all, Nolan Arenado exists, and as for as yeah. long as Nolan Arenado has existed in the league. He's won the gold glove, so that's not going to happen. And Christian Yelich, I mean, he was worth zero defensive runs saved in left field. He started only like 60-some games over there. And the other guys at the, at the position, Adam Duvall and Corey Dickerson, they each have like way more assists, way higher defensive runs saved rating, like all these other things. So I, I don't think Yelich is going to be able to win that at all. That's, that's really odd that they would put him in left field. Yeah, he played more of his games in right. That's but really odd. All right. He actually had more defensive runs. He had five defensive runs saved in right field, but zero in left, hmm. which is really odd to me, but whatever. You got to put I mean, him somewhere, I guess. It doesn't matter. Christian Yelich is going to be the NL MVP, so. As Pretty nice as it would be to to win a gold glove as well, I just I don't see it happening. But oh well. At least he gets the MVP and a batting title. Yeah, MVP mm-hmm. and a batting title. That's that's already more than you could ask of him. Absolutely. All right. There was other big news in the world of big Milwaukee news. today. Big big news. I think um, we have very different differing ideas of what big what constitutes big news in 2018. But go ahead. <laughs> all right. Anyways. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers have made a couple changes uh, to their coaching staff. Darnell Coles, the hitting coach, has resigned. He was not fired, but he has resigned. And Lee Tunnel, the bullpen coach, did not get his contract renewed. 
And athletic trainer Dan Wright has also not had his contract re- renewed, but let's just focus on Tunnel and Coles here. Um, okay. <clears throat> which right. one is really – I mean, I think that the Lee Tunnel not getting his contract renewed is a bit more shocking to me than, than a Darnell Coles thing because the bullpen Keaton was really the, the strength of the Brewers team this year. I agree. That's the one that shocked me the most. I mean, you when you hear about Milwaukee Brewers of 2018, it's not only Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain. It's all the guys coming out of that bullpen. You got Josh Hader. You got Corbin Burns. You got Jeremy Jeffress, Corey Knebel, the resurgence of Corey Knebel, I should say. And just, you know, he's not getting his contract renewed. It's a little fishy, I guess. They're tr- David Stearns wants to try something else. But, yeah, I'm still shocked over it. Matthew, I mean – do you, do you think letting Tunnel go would, would be like a, a mistake at all? I mean, he's basically kind of like an assistant pitching coach, but I think that would come it's back al- to him. It's always been my understanding that the bullpen coach's main job is keeping the players out of the stands. What? <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> so, no, I... I am not getting your jokes, Matthew. You are... Yeah. You're way too old to, for me to understand these oh, jokes. Oh, dude, age joke, not cool. No, um, <laughs> oh, that one, that one, that one gets a laugh, does it? Oh right. um, well, yeah, because I said it. That's that's why I'm laughing. Because I thought it was. I, funny. I don't. I don't. I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty obvious that you know you know Lee Tunnel has had a, you know a bit of an influence in that bullpen um, as far as. Uh, you know, you know, just you know, the success that they've had. You know, anytime you have a bullpen as successful as, as the Brewers, you know, it, it obviously speak, it speaks to the coaching staff. Um, so it's a little odd that they're looking for a new voice there, just because they've had such such success. And there is obvious, you know, there's a rapport between you know Johnson and Tunnel and and, and the pitchers in the bullpen. Uh, Darnell Coles is also a little bit odd to me. Just be, first off, he's he's been with the team for so long. And second, he's like fairly well thought of in, in, in the league as as a hitting coach. So I'm, I'm it, it says it's time for him to move on to a to a new challenge. I'm I'm kind of curious to see what that that's going to end up being. If he's going to you know possibly take a managerial job overseas or, or look to manage in the minors in 2019. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting with uh, with Coles. But I mean Lee Tunnel. I mean he was he was here in Milwaukee longer. Uh, he was a holdover from the Renicky. Uh, era. He was hired back in 2012, and yeah, maybe it was just um, he wanted more money since his contract was up, and it's like, hey, this bullpen's doing great. I think I should get paid more, and the Brewers are like, nah, fam, and they just <laughs> let him go. Um, or maybe he had some sort of disagreements with, with Derek Johnson. Maybe it's just creative uh, differences between you know what Johnson wanted to do and what Tunnel wanted to do. And the Brewers obviously are going to stick with Johnson on that, and they just decided to let Tunnel go. I'm not really sure. They haven't said. They probably won't say. But no. that that's where Tunnel goes. And then with Darnell Coles, I mean, I, I think it was time for a bit of a change. And, you know, the offense, it was a bit hot and cold this year, and I think some of that runs with just the types of hitters that they have. And even though they got Christian Yelch, Lorenzo Cain, uh, they were still kind of a little home run dependent and were really, you know, they'd have those, those strikeout prone guys uh, that just kind of lead to those cold stretches. So that's that's where I think maybe getting someone else besides Coles will really kind of help out this offense, maybe get some of those guys back up to higher batting average, higher on-base percentage type players. I agree because if you go back and watch, well, we all witnessed it in the postseason. Jesus Aguilar looked like every pitch thrown to him. He was trying to lead the stadium. So mm. I think if you get the big guy to focus on more, just get a base hit, I think that will help improve his career more. But uh, definitely some changes in Milwaukee. I'm not sure how to handle it right now, but we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, Aguilar was, I mean, he was just focusing on, on base hits, just making contact in the first half of the season. I don't. I don't know what happened with him there in the, in the second half. It, it really just kind of seemed like an odd change for him. Like he was trying to do too much when in the first half he wasn't trying to do much of anything at all. 
And I think it goes back to, you know, people say the home run derby slump. I think that could have been it. You know, he's, I, I heard it changes your swing. I've heard many players say that a uh, former rear Prince fielder is known to saying, you know, he, it changed his swing and it changes your perspective at the plate and you lose uh, your, your, just your depth for pitch speed is off. So maybe that's it, but definitely need some guys uh, not trying to hit it out of the ballpark so much. I think that would have been beneficial in the postseason as well. I mean, he was he was only in the Derby for one round. I mean, he was. It's not like he That's made true. it through the championship round, so I don't, I don't think it had that big of an effect on him. Well, he he only uh, had you know just over three hundred plate appearances in twenty seventeen, and yet you know with, with the playoffs, he had you know well over six hundred plate appearances in twenty eighteen. So, do, do you think he might have worn down? Do you think that, that there would be you know some fatigue in there with you know, the difference in playing in, in playing time? I mean, it's possible. I mean, that that certainly could have played a role but I mean I, I don't know it's a long season and Aguilar was finally a starter for most of it so that that could have played a role in it as well I suppose we'd have to we'd have to ask Aguilar to find out but even then he probably still wouldn't tell us probably not maybe yeah all right well I mean now that the season is over the off season has begun and that is no it hasn't excuse you not yet. We've 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 two more Red Sox wins before the season's over. But I, the I Brewers' season is over. The Brewers' season is over, which means their off season has begun. They've already Agreed. used okay. Miller Park for an Ed Sheeran concert. That means it's done. The Moose season's over. Did, did did you attend? No, I did not attend. <laughs> Ed Sheeran seems cool, but I'm not gonna pay whatever. <laughs> To go see an Ed Sheeran concert when there should be a World Series game. Fair enough. I understood. Agreed. I Agreed. did go to see Kenny Chesney when he was at Miller Park a couple years ago. That was fun. That seems like it'd be fun. I'm a big Kenny Chesney fan and a Brewers fan, so you combine the two. It sounds like a great time. Oh, yeah. I would sure hope you're a Brewers fan. Otherwise, what are you doing on this podcast? Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing on the site? Yeah. All right, but anyways, so now we can preview the upcoming offseason since the offseason apparently isn't here, according to Matthew. Uh, you know, just looking at the upcoming offseason, there's a lot of a lot of things Brewers got to do. They got a couple of free agents, a couple of contract options. Uh, they need to make some changes going into next season if they're going to be able to win the World Series and achieve their ultimate goal. And we had a comprehensive offseason primer Go up on the Written side. By of, you. It was, oh yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, who it was, was that guy? Yeah, um, yeah, but that's that's up went up on the side a couple of days ago. Goes over all of the free agents, contract options, uh, arbitration yeah. eligible players, and there are a bunch of them this year. Um, oh, yeah. Rule five prospects to protect. There's a couple of those. All that's included in the offseason primer. So definitely go and give that a read if you haven't already. So I want I want to talk about it a little bit because you got okay. you got a couple of big decisions to make and I think the three biggest players the Brewers have to make a decision on are Wade Miley, Mike Mustakis, and Jonathan Scope. Wade Miley okay. is an unrestricted free agent. Mike Mustakis has a contract option as a mutual option for fifteen million dollars next season, and Jonathan Scope has one more year of arbitration and his. And his projected salary is just over $10 million. And okay. Matthew, let, let's start with Miley. Do you see the Brewers re-signing Wade Miley and bringing him back after he, after he goes on the open market this winter? Virtually uh, 0% chance. Really? Why, why, why do you say that? Okay. First off, the, the Brewers are, have a glut of starting pitchers as it is. Um, you know, he, he, you know we, I think we, we ran it down... Uh, you know, pretty well in, in, in the last episode where we were talking about you know, you know different starting options heading into 2019. They, they just have too many guys already on the team, or you know, that are already going to be on the team in 2019. That I don't really think they have room for another like kind of mid-level starting pitcher like Wade Miley is. And second, um, I'm you know as analytics-driven as, as the Brewers are, I'm I, I I can't see them being fully sold on, on Wade Miley. I think they kind of caught lightning in a bottle with him. I don't think he's a two five seven ERA pitcher again next year. 
I think he's probably going to be closer to you know the the four and a half or four you know four point two ERA pitcher that, that that he's been for his entire career. I mean, there was he did make an adjustment. You know, he he started throwing his cut fastball a lot more in in, in the past two seasons, and that's really you know in, influences ground ball rate. But I don't see him. I see it's virtually a zero percent. He, he's going to get paid. He's going to get a contract somewhere, and I think he's kind of priced out of the the Brewers price range. And I don't really think they want him back to begin with. So, Keaton, what do you think? Do you do you think Wade Miley should return to Milwaukee next year? Uh, the fan of me would like to see Wade Miley return, but I agree with Matthew. I don't think there's a oh. chance that uh, Milwaukee that Wade Miley does return to Milwaukee. Like you got uh, Burns and possibly Woodruff making the starting rotation, and basically, long story short, there is I don't think there is a place to put him if they resign him. Agreed. Yeah, I, I just I know. It's it's been well stated by me that I don't like Wade Miley and I don't think he's going to be able to keep up whatever success he had in 2018. He's going to regress incredibly hard and there's going to be a lot of fans. There already are a lot of people who don't like that that I said that and they just keep on seeing Wade Miley do well and just try to throw it back in my face. But I mean, just look what happens next year. Wade Miley's not going to pitch that well, especially as well as he did this year. And someone's probably going to pay him. 10 plus million dollars a season for a couple year deal probably for Wade yeah, Miley. Yeah, he's getting a multi-year deal. You know, he's he's a left-handed starter on the open market, so I he's coming off get a tremendous season. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know and and he had, he and he did well in the playoffs. I I don't yeah, he's going to get paid by somebody. It's, hopefully it's not the Brewers. Yeah, it is not going to end well if they did that. I don't should, dare I mention the Jeff Supons and Matt Garzas of the world. We don't want another situation like that. It's too late. No. I've already done it. But yeah. now let's move yeah. on before we get way too depressed. All right. So Mike Moustakis. <laughs> Mike, yeah, Moose. He's got a $15 million mutual option for next year. Um, they could decline and, and sign him in free agency. Um, they also could just let him go. They, they could just try to pick up the option. Matthew, w- what do you think that what do you what do you think the Brewers will do with Mike Moustakis this winter? Okay, if they if they keep him at fifteen million dollars, that's pretty much going to blow their budget for free agents for the for the offseason. Yeah, um, and it's also going to mess up their infield again. You're going to be forced to to start him at third base and move Travis Shaw over to second for the full season. I don't really think the Brewers want to do either of those things. I don't think he's back, and I don't think the option is picked up. I think they're cutting him loose. Okay, and there's not even going to try to resign him to to lesser money in, on in free agency. Just um, completely let him go. No point bringing him honest, back. Don't honestly, get him in stock okay. jersey. It it depends how the market evolves. If if it's a repeat of last year where he's still on the market, you know, heading into spring training, you you might see them reach out. You know, hey, you know, we'll, we'll offer you a sim- similar deal to what you had last year. Um, but I don't. I don't see them making a concerted effort to, to, to make him a priority, honestly. What about you, Keaton? Uh, again, going to have to agree with Matthew on this. I don't see Moustakas coming back to Milwaukee because at, at not the money standpoint, the guy made a lot of uh, human error mistakes over there on the hot corner that, you know, thinking Travis Shaw wouldn't. Um, Travis again, Shaw is a gold glove finalist. Yeah, yeah, gold glove finalist Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw, sorry. The gold glove gold glove <laughs> finalist, the mayor. Um I don't see Mike Musakis coming back. I think it's because not only that it, the salary he wants is gonna hurt us in the free agency, but I think, you know, moving our uh however tall Travis Shaw is, I think six four, six five, playing second base kind of looks weird. Um I don't think Milwaukee wants to risk that again. I and like I'm trying to say, long story short, no moose in Milwaukee next year. Uh, man, it's it's kind of a buzzkill when it when we all agree with each other, but <laughs> but I will I will raise this point because Mike Mustakis and Ryan Braun work out together in the off season. Ryan Braun has basically been pushing for Atanasio and the front office to acquire Mustakis for a couple years now, and you know they really like him. He actually he's played well. You know, his left-handed power-hitting profile works in Milwaukee with the short porch and right field, and it's a great fit for him. So I, because of that, I think there's still a chance they, they might want to bring him back and, and they might like him enough to try to do so. But 
it's not going to be an, an immediate thing. Like it's going to have to take until January or February, and for him to still Hard. be on the market for David Stearns to be like, okay, now maybe I can consider signing Mustakis to a deal. Hmm. Makes sense. But now maybe the more the the biggest debate, the hottest debate uh, for the Brewers this offseason will be what to do with Jonathan Scope. And he's <laughs> he's shown he's a great player in in the past. He's shown he can hit nearly 300, have 20 to 30 home run seasons, and he can just be a phenomenal hitter. He did not show that one bit in Milwaukee. And a lot of Brewers fans are upset with him, and a lot don't want him back, but he's still shown that he's a good player. So what do you trust? Do you trust the past five years in Baltimore where he's shown that he's a really good hitter, or do you trust the last three months where you watched Jonathan Scope struggle to make contact? Um, go ahead. Keep, yeah, no, Keaton, you can go first. I, I, I did the first two. You can do this one. <laughs> Um, seeing as we traded a Jonathan for a Jonathan, that was kind of cool. Um, I really don't think we should bring scope back because why, why chance it? He didn't show up in the three months he was in Wisconsin. I mean, he did hit a shut your mouth grand slam off Madison Bumgarner, but that, that was epic. in my eyes. was That was it. You know, that's the only thing I can remember Jonathan scope doing positively for this team. Okay. Um, I th- honestly, I think he's non-tender candidate. Really, you think you're just, just straight I, up non-tender him? I don't. <sighs> okay, my, my my thought process is as follows: um, that that ten ten million dollars is a monster number for 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 a guy like Scope. Um, if they were to bring him back, I think that w- that would also impact the budget moving forward and limit what they're able to do in free agency. This is a free agent period in which they they need to find. You know they're trying to find that ace that 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 they got to put it at the front of the rotation, and if you were to bring him back at that monster number, that might not be possible. So, also, I I think they kind of need to go a, a bit different direction in terms of the type of hitter they have at second base. Um, with scope, it's it's pretty much you know it's home runs or nothing really. You know he's kind of that you know that three true outcome player at second base. Um, I don't necessarily think they, they want that at second base. I, I think they need they need somebody who's not quite as station station to station and and homer reliant as, as scope is at second base. Also, I think they probably want a bit better glove there as well. So I don't I, I didn't see him as a great fit at the time, and I still don't see him as a great fit. And I really don't see him as a great fit with that uh, with that monster arbitration number. So that you know, to me, he's he's kind of a non tender candidate. I think the Bruce going to cut their losses. And move on, in my opinion. Yeah, and for me, when they acquired Jonathan Scope, um, it really seemed like a panic move from David Stearns when they got him at the deadline because he was looking for starting pitching. He was looking for a starting pitcher all the way, trying to get Chris Archer or Kevin Gosman, and both went to two other teams. And Stearns realized he needed to do something. And he just went back to the Orioles and said, "Hey, how about scope?" And they and they brought him in. And I think I think Stearns panicked a little bit. He won't say that he did, and he'll still say, "Oh yeah, we're just looking for this." But the the move seemed odd at the time. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you look at the uh, the post the post like the end of the season press conference uh, from David Stearns and. And Craig Council, um, he he was talking about you know what are they going to do with Jonathan Scope, and uh, and David Stern's like after he just got done being adamant about you know Chase Anderson he's going to come back next year and he's going to do all this you know no no talk of like you know trading him or whatever when the, when they asked him about Scope he said that's a discussion we're going to have to continue to have over the next several weeks to a month you know you know unfortunately for him and us. You know, he really wasn't able to show what kind of a player he was uh, when he was like what what kind of player he is when he was a Brewer. And you look at that when he was like that. That's past tense. And I think just reading between the lines on Stern's comments about scope, I think he's leaning towards getting rid of him, whether that's a non-tender or trying to just trade him 
to somebody else and get something for him. Because as as you mentioned, Matthew, like they gave up a lot for him. And for the Brewers to just kind of cut him loose and get absolutely nothing in return, that would be a bad look if he comes back next year and plays extremely well with whoever he uh, finds in the offseason. And you, you'd kind of have a, a bit of a repeat of the Scooter Jeanette scenario. They just let Scooter Jeanette go on waivers, and the Reds picked him up for absolutely nothing. And now all of a sudden, Scooter Jeanette's really good, and everyone's like, how come we gave up Jeanette for nothing? And I think you'd have the same kind of thing with Scope. If Scope does well for somebody else next year, and he was just non-tender, just let go for nothing, everyone would be like, how come we let him go for nothing? Why not at least trade him? And I think I think that's what Stearns is going to try to do. He He's going to try to trade him, um, but the non-tender deadline is November 30th, which is pretty early in the offseason. So uh-huh. they could end up tendering him, but still trying to trade him throughout the winter before they get to spring training. That's mm. that's. I, I think we kind of saw a similar situation last season with, with Keon Broxton, though, didn't we? Where, where they had this guy that they were – it was pretty obvious they were trying to move and just weren't able to. Well, that was Domingo, actually. I think they were trying to move Domingo more. Mm. Because they realized Domingo is probably going to regress incredibly hard, but... Mm. Yeah, well. But yeah, I mean... Let me ask you guys this. Uh, Who do you think will get a transaction first out of Moose and Scope? Like, who do you think will have something done first? I think it has to be Moose. It has to have the option decline. Yeah, Moose still has to have the option decline first. So, I mean, I suppose that would technically be a transaction, but as opposed to who gets signed first, I mean, going through arbitration, um, he probably won't get his contract done and like fully, you know, signed, sealed, delivered until about early February. So January, February at least. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think Moose in that case could sign a deal before that as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I I hope he I hope for his sake he does, but he, he the market for him was really slow last year. Yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure what it's going to be um, next year or or like you know this off season what, what the market's going to be. I haven't really looked at the the third base market mostly because the Brewers don't really need a third baseman, but. Yeah, it really could. It could be tough out there, especially if he still has those aspirations for that big long-term deal. Mm, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So, speaking of third baseman, uh, I wrote another article. Shameless self-promotion here. Another article about Travis Shaw potentially getting an extension this winter. I think it's time for the Brewers to do so. I mean, he's he's entering arbitration now. He's got 30-plus homers for each of the past two seasons. And arbitration pays a lot for home runs. His salary is just going to keep on going up and up and up. And I think for some cost certainty, the Brewers should definitely consider signing Travis Shaw to a four- or five-year deal, push back his free agency, and, and get some cost certainty over what Shaw is going to cost him. Um, actually, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe he, he just had a kid this past season. So I think it, he, he might yeah, be looking middle of middle secure. of 2017. Yeah. His daughter, Ryan. Oh, was who's, it, I, 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 I knew it was right around the all-star break. I, I, I yeah. remember it was, it it was the year, last this year all-star the year break. Before. Yeah. His daughter, oh. Ryan born with the, the heart defect needed surgery. And I mean, he, he's going to stay around like he wants to stay around Milwaukee because of, you know, how great children's hospital is. And just kind of all the all the doctors uh, they have there, so yeah, mm. a- absolutely. So yeah, it really wouldn't surprise me if if, if you know if, if if aspects like that influenced him seeking a long long term deal more than more than anything else. And I, I I definitely I totally agree with you. I think that you know the Brewers should be looking to lock him up. I think he he's a guy you want to build around. He's a guy you want to keep. Um, and I think he wants to stay. So I I, I it wouldn't shock me if if they were able to come if they were able to make a deal this offseason. It really wouldn't. Um, I think they should resign him because coming from a fan standpoint, you know, Instagram and he seems like he seems to be at home in Milwaukee. Mm. He's all, where's the best place to eat? Or if you guys tweet so many times, you know, I'll come pay for your drinks at a bar or something like that. Are you serious? So, Wait, what? I it was, I do I not remember seeing of, any of these tweets. Something like that. It was something like that. 
that. <laughs> it was and, something uh, like that, or was it, or was it that? It's some. It was something along those lines, like, "Hey, come meet me at this place." Blah blah blah. Um, uh, I just David, uh, I do not remember ever seeing these tweets from Travis Shaw. I I I, I can't believe you wouldn't be there next to him if you were to tweet that. If you were, I, that that's why I would I would have been there, but I I have not seen these tweets. Mm. Uh, More Twittergate uh, with the Brewers, great, just what we need. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, uh, I'll, I'll have to recheck my sources on that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I just but. think he's beco- he's becoming a uh, household name in uh, Brewers in Brewers fans' eyes. You know, whenever he comes up to the plate, you're thinking, oh, he could actually do something here. I, from a Brewers stand, Brewers fan standpoint, I think they should resign him. I think he's good for the team, and he brings a lot of energy. Very positive guy. Um, like I, like uh, you guys said, he hits he's hit thirty home runs the past two seasons. So the po- the productivity's there. It's just a matter of Milwaukee if they resign him or not. Yeah, I mean he's still got three more years uh, of team control, no matter what. But I, I'd still want to you know sign. I mean he's twenty eight years old. He's still going to be. You know, he's basically in his prime right now. I mean, his batting average took a big dip this year. Um, but a lot of that, I think, could, could be contributed to his extremely low BABIP. He had a two forty two BABIP this season. And some of that you could put on shifting. Some of that could just be bad luck. But I think Shaw's better than his two forty one batting average shows. And I, I think he's due for a huge bounce back camp. I mean, he hit like... 277 or something in 2017 and he's really I think he's got a chance to get back up there again so I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in Travis Shaw and move him back to third base obviously great defender gold glove finalist um, really great power hitter and he's got a pretty good on base finish too I mean st- he still gets on base about 35% of the time 34 35% so he, he draws his walks. His strikeout rate decreased this year. It was at 22% in 2017, 18% in 2018. So he's striking out less. He's walking more. And he still has the power. And and that's what you really want to see out of a player like Shaw. So Yeah, no disagreements here, man. I, I, I think, yeah, I, I think we'd all like to see him. How much? How much money do you think he should get per season, Matthew? I mean, I mean, okay. well, I, I put it in, in the article and somewhere in the annual and the average annual value of ten to fourteen million dollars a season. Am I too high? Too low? Where, where do you think Travis Shaw should should get his? How how much money he should get? Okay, he's he's in his first year first year of arbitration. Yeah, this this will be his first winner of arbitration. Okay, so that means it's. So, I, I think you, I think you're in the ballpark. It might be a, a little high on the high end. I think he's going to be closer to the the ten million per year than he is the fourteen. But I, I don't, I don't think you're ridiculous. I, th- I think you're, 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 you're right in the right in, in the right range. I yeah, because I mean, it's just like you know, just kind of average out over the whole deal. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it could be you know continuing to go up as, as the year as the years go along, but. Yeah, that that's kind of around where where I was. And spot spot tracks market value tool, it wasn't showing anything for Shaw, so I just kind of had to ballpark it on my own. So, uh, yeah, that was. It sounds about yeah. Spot track, love it. Oh yeah, got to need to get a premium membership or something if I want to get it get the whole thing. But there's a premium there's a premium membership for spot track. Yeah, I think so. That's that's amazing. Why do you need to get it now? I, I'm gonna be curious what the pricing what the pricing is. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if they'll have a thing for them, like even for the premium, whatever. But yeah, yeah, they have a they have a spot track premium. Right on, interesting. Keaton, what what do you think? How much do you think uh, it should cost for the Brewers to to get Shaw? You know, for a average annual value on an extension. <laughs> Um, I'd say right around the the ballpark of what you wrote, David. What Matthew said, I think closer, maybe maybe twelve million a year might, unless that's a little much. But I I, I don't see him being like the mega million superstar. Oh, some people. 
I, I think we, you know, we've got to remember he's coming off a season in which he made you know less than six hundred k. Yeah. True. So you know, you know, typically you, you don't see those you know massive, massive raises being given out. Like you know, you don't see the the jump from you know five hundred, you know, from six hundred k all the way to twelve million. So I, I that's what that's why I think it's I think it's gonna be closer to the, the ten figure. You know, the average value of being being closer to the ten figure than the fourteen. Yeah, he's because pretty- it. it He's projected just over five million in arbitration for this year. Just, just putting that out. Okay. There. So yeah, I mean, so that's just over five million for this year. So it's probably close to seven or eight for the year after that. And then he's probably going to be close to the Jonathan Scope ten, eleven in the year after that. You know, assuming he, you know, he maintains his production. So I, I could see them them buying it out for you know, maybe you know an average of around like ten, eleven. Yeah, some somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, but either way, yeah, I, 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 I really think you're you were you know you know right on track with with the numbers that you tossed out though. Yeah, I mean he he's not spectacular. He he's not a 300 hitter. He he's not you know those types of guys who's on base 40 percent of the time. Like he's he's a solid defender. He'll 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 hit for a decent average. He's got really good power, decent on base percentage. He's gonna draw his walks. He's not striking out as much. And he still has his struggles against lefties, and he kind of took a step back in in that direction this year. But as long as he continues to improve against lefties, you know, just just try to get going forward again against them, and just becoming more of that complete hitter, I, I think he'll he'll be a great value even with this extension. But he's he's not that kind of giant star player because he still struggles against lefties in platoons. And he's not the biggest batting average type guy. So that's Agreed. just that, that's just. I'm where actually I came looking through the. I have no idea where I came up with that stat a little bit ago, um, but I do know that he, he also made a name for himself. He stopped by a club to play t-ball with elementary kids. So. I think that's a plus for Milwaukee fans to love him even more. Now you see when David get, get you know when David does that he gets the police called on him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute! Wait just a minute here. What are you insinuating? <laughs> oh man, I am a good person. Okay, don't you, try to slander my name. You're a great person, David. I love you dearly. Uh, I love you too. Aw, I've I never met you, but. <laughs> <laughs> nah. All right. Um, it is time for the mailbag segment of the show. We ask on Twitter each week for any questions any of our listeners want us to discuss. Uh, Ryan wants to know what is the deal with Tunnel being let go? And I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier uh, in the in the podcast that I. I don't really know what it was. I, I think it could be either creative differences with Derek Johnson or simply just wanting too much money in a new contract. I, I think it could just be either either of those things. Um, could it be possible that he, he might be up for like a pitching coach job in the minors? Maybe. Any, I mean, any chance of that? You think? I mean, they said I his contract was not renewed, so I think that's more of we're just going to let you go rather than you have another mm. opportunity. Fair enough. Yeah, like like Darnell Coles, I feel like there, there's like an, there's an obvious opportunity that he's he's going to announce in the next you know weeks in the next few weeks. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily feel that way about Tunnel. So I guess you know we'll see how it plays out. Honestly. Yeah. Oh well. Not really. Not really sad to see Coles go, but yeah. all right. Ninety nine Wolves uh, wants wants to know: uh, Will the Cubs play against the Brewers in the playoffs next year? Oh man, uh, uh, maybe. Well, the Cubs big have to side, win wild big card side, first. Matthew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Mike drop. Cubs got to win the wild card first. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, did you guys see that thing by Bleacher Nation today that said the Brewers may be like you know uh-uh. financially um, like inflexible, oh, like yeah, they're not going to be able to add anyone this year. Like the Brewers are in a bad financial position. I don't. I don't. I, d- I saw. I don't think that's accurate. No, it's not. They have to be, you know, cost conscious, but I don't think they aren't going to be able to make. They, they can make, I think, at least one big move and oh, still yeah. be okay. 
Yeah, the only reason I saw it was because a lot of the other people on Brewers Twitter were just calling them out. It's like, yeah, this is completely wrong. So, yeah, oh, well, nice try, Bleacher Nation, trying to tell Cubs fans it's all going to be okay. You can win the division easily, blah, blah, blah. But it didn't, it didn't happen this year. Nope, but they're just trying to pick up the spirits of everybody, I guess. I do have a quick story for you guys that you'll probably enjoy. My boss is a big-time Cubs fan. Ooh. So, I'd quit. after the Game 7 loss, he comes into my office, you know, razzes me a bit, and he goes, so how about them Brewers? So, <laughs> call wow. me, I say, well, here it is, you know, the uh, 22nd of October, and your club has been out for three weeks while mine's season just ended, so keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they just try to get Cubs fans just try to get whatever joy they can out of Brewers' misery, even though the Cubs' misery was worse. But yeah, well, yeah. All right, uh, last question: in the mailbag from Marcel. What will you consider a successful off season? Ooh, do do we just need to cons- just need to acquire a number one starter, maybe shore up one position, or do we need more? Also, should we ship scope off for a new coffee pot in the clubhouse, or maybe haggle for a prospect as well? Okay. All right. Um, uh, let's unpack the scope part first. Um, I, I say he's a non-tender candidate, so that means I would, you know, cut him loose for nothing. Um, I don't. I'd trade him. Really, yeah. I, I don't. I don't, I don't see much of a market for him, though. Well, I mean, you're not going to get like a giant, you know, return for him. It's not going to be like a Tyler Thornburg type return where you just get all these good players no. back. But I don't think you're. I, I think I don't think you're going to get any good players back. Honestly, you can get something at least. You like, can. You what can would you get consider a, something. I don't even know. Just even like you know a double A prospect or you know a double A player or, or or a couple I of them. I, Maybe. Big difference between a double A player and a double A prospect. I think yeah. you might be able you might be able to get a warm body. I don't think you're going to be able to. Okay, get... I, I don't think Scope's value ha- has dropped that much. Like, yeah, it was it was a terrible year, but everyone else is going to look at what he did before when he was in Baltimore. I mean, he was the AL Player of the Week before the Brewers got him. Maybe they'll just say, hey, he can be something if he's just out of Milwaukee, needs another change of scenery because for for whatever reason he just doesn't like it there and it doesn't work. So, I mean, he's still shown to be a good player. It's not like a Jeff Supon or Matt Garza where you can, where like their entire value has completely fallen off the table. Scope is still young and he's still going to be worth something to, to an acquiring team. I, I think maybe you could get Sonny Gray for him from the Yankees. Trade, trade Scope for Sonny Gray. That way the Brewers get what they want in a potential top level starting pitcher that Derek Johnson can fix. And. The, the Yankees kind of shed that player that they don't like. They can bring in a new guy uh, for their infield where they could potentially need some need some help next year. And for that, I, I think that could be a good match in the offseason for Scope. And I'm I like f- the way that sounds. Yeah, I, I like the way it sounds. But I, I, I kind of see the, the Yankees wanting more. But, yeah. you know. We'll you could throw in a warm body. Throw in, throw in a coffee pot. I don't know, but <laughs> but I mean, what like what, what Marcel was getting to, like in the early part of the question, you know, what's a what's a successful off season? Do we just need a, okay. a number one starter? I mean, okay, I'm going to have a Brewers off season needs article coming out uh, soon here in, in the next couple of days. I'll be getting to that, trying to go through what all exactly they need, but. With the number one starter thing, do you, do you think the Brewers need to go out and get a number one starter, or will the return of Jimmy Nelson and Ulysses Chassin, along with Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and Brandon Woodruff, will that be enough for the rotation going forward, or do they absolutely 100% need to go get a, a top-flight starter because they didn't get one over the past year? I don't think they need a number one. I think another starting pitcher would help us out. But I think with Nelson coming back and then Chassin coming off a great year, I think we'll be set when it comes to our top two pitchers. But I think we still need one more good starting pitcher to help solidify our rotation. So another middle to back end guy like we already yes. have eight of. Cool. All right. True. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you still have Junior Guerra coming back. I mean, still. I mean, there's still a bunch of options. 
and you know Zach Brown's oh, gonna God. be coming up. Yeah, I mean, hey, Junior Guerra pitched pretty well in the postseason, so okay, he I'm did. just saying. Okay. Um, I. I don't know that I necessarily feel confident that the Brewers can win a World Series by bringing back the same group. Okay, so you you think that so, they should get someone else from from the outside, maybe a guy like Patrick Corbin or Dallas Keuchel? I would feel better about Dallas Keuchel than Patrick Corbin, but yes. Really? Yep. Dallas Keuchel's a bit older. His numbers have kind of regressed a little bit. Patrick Corbin's younger. Numbers still kind of going up. You'd feel more uh, comfortable with, with Keuchel instead? Here, let, me, let me get my numbers. Hang on. I I I I, I did a bit of prep on, on on Corbin. I didn't I didn't prep as much on Keiko, so I just want to be prepared. Uh, they're roughly the uh, I guess Keiko's like a about a year older, but I think he's got. Um, okay, what scared me off on Corbin was that his slider usage rates has been has been you know gradually increasing since he's had Tommy John. You know the slider that that's the one that typically chews up elbows when you when you throw it at a really high rate, and he's I believe up around like 40 percent, if I'm not mistaken. Well, then Yulise yeah. Chassin is going to be due for Tommy John at any moment. I mean, geez. Why does he throw? Is he is he throw over forty? I think so. I mean, Chassin throws it a lot. Fair enough. But he, either way, Corbin he's got a lot of innings on his arm. He has a Tommy John surgery in, in his history already, and he throws a ton of sliders. I don't necessarily see see the long term. You know, you know the long-term health there. I think there's going to be a concern. I think that's a concern um, with Keiko. He's, you know, he he had a you know a bit, a, a bit of a, you know a bit of a rough year in 2016. wasn't as awesome as he as he had been this year. But I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily see, see him having a bad year. Yeah, I mean, velocity velocity was actually up this year. So I I think the long you know the long-term uh, long term prospects for his yeah long term prospects for his success are a bit better than than Corbin's are just based on that. Um, so I, I would feel better about about shelling out you know big money to Keiko than I than I would in Corbin. Also, it's going to be Keiko moving to an easier league. Yeah. So I I think that might also you know it might also be a bit of a boost in his numbers not having to pitch to a DH anymore and and Corbin so. I mean Corbin's coming from the National League West which has a lot of pitching friendly ballparks to deal with and mm-hmm. coming to Miller Park which is a lot more hitter friendly in the NL Central yeah, it's yeah. it's going to be a bit more difficult for him but also. Dallas Keuchel is represented by Scott Boris. So you said you're comfortable oh, shelling out big a- dollars. So you are definitely going to have to shell out big dollars for Dallas Keuchel. Yep. So, yep. Some hot talent lava. Absolutely. All right. It is now time for the hot take corner. And uh, Keaton, as the guest contributor this week, uh, you have the floor here with your first uh, hot take in the hot take corner. All right, so like I said, my lukewarm take, uh, the Boston Red Sox, obviously. I want to say a sweep, but people have to remember it is the Los Angeles Dodgers. I give them at least one win, but the uh, Red Sox in five, Mookie Betts will be the MVP is my hot take. Uh, But my Brewers hot take, I think um, Travis Shaw will be the first transaction of the Milwaukee Brewers this winter. Meaning? I think he's going to get re-signed. He's going to get okay. the contract cool. he's looking for. And I think that'll be the first, not the big news out of Milwaukee, but I'll be the first news we hear from the Brewer side of things is Travis Shaw getting re-signed. So, so kind of like the, the Chase Anderson deal last year, that extension was signed pretty early on in, in the yes, off season, yes. just kind of immediately after just signed to that deal. So you think it's going to happen in maybe, you know, the next week or two. I believe so. All right. Uh, Matthew. What do you got in hot take corner? My hot take. Mm, you know, Jonathan Scope is a non-tender candidate. Isn't a hot enough take for you? No, it actually isn't. <laughs> Dallas Keiko is a free agent priority. Isn't a hot enough take for you? No, you need to have a different hot take for the hot take corner, man. Damn it. I used up all my good hot takes early on. <laughs> um, this, this entire show has been a hot take for you. I mean, you know, Christian Yelich winning a gold glove isn't a hot take. I'm trying really hard with the hot takes, man. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Go go into your Christian Yelich being being a gold glove winner for your hot take. Go go into it. Okay. Let's go with that. 
why, why I think he's going to win it. Yeah. I, I, I think it's it, typically when, when guys win awards, they come in bunches, especially it was a, a player who had a season as good as, as Yelich's. And you know, we, we saw him have, you know, he had a, a really solid defensive uh, playoff run. Um, I just, I just think it's, it's fresh in the minds of, uh, of the voters. And I, I think that's, that's going to carry him, you know, to, to, to his first gold glove. All right. Okay. Now it's time for my hot take. Please. Um, Here we yeah. go. My hot take is that Stephen Vogt is coming back next year, and he is ah! going to take oh. over the starting catcher job, and he is just going to hit the crap out of the ball because he's going to come back healthy, and he's going to come back ready to go. He's got a great bat. His bat is better than Manny Pena's. His defense isn't quite there. His throwing arm is not there. But he calls a good game, and he can hit. And now that he's now that he's going to be hopefully fully healthy going into next year, if the Brewers tender him, and I think that they should, and, and I think that they should bring him back, I think Stephen Vogt is going to have a tremendous 2019 season for the Milwaukee Brewers. How about that for a hot take? That's a hot take. Scorching. Yeah, scorching. Now, does he, cut, now does, he get, does he get a major league deal or a minor league deal? Um, I I think that they tender him. I know that there's a good chance that, that really? they might not tender him. But, I mean, what, why risk, you know, having someone else take him in, in free agency? Or, you know, maybe Oakland taking him back or, or whatever else. But uh, I think that they want to keep him around. He's a great clubhouse guy to have. And, you know, a, a tremendous teammate and a really good player when healthy. So I, I think that they'd that they'd bring him back. And, I mean, he's not going to get, you know, a giant raise. And he might even get a little bit of a, a pay cut from this past year. But I, I think they bring him back on, on a big league deal. Okay. So, That's a hot take, man. It is. That's it, is it is the hot take corner. I'm coming out firing. <laughs> all right well that is that is all we have for the podcast today i'd like to thank keaton anderson and matthew dwaskin for joining me uh once again on the pod it was it was a really great show you guys really really fun to have you on thanks for having me and thank you yeah, great to be here all right be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to check out reviewing the brew every day for brewers news and analysis we'll be back next week for another edition of the Reviewing the Brew podcast.